This is Actors with Issues. I am your host, Juan Yala, and this is our last episode of 2020. Before we get into our interview, I just wanted to thank all of you, our listeners, for supporting the show. Since our show began in May, we've released 31 episodes with actors who have amassed nearly 500 IMDb credits, nearly a dozen Broadway shows, and countless national tours, and dozens of episodes of network television. We've shared so many great stories with you all, and I just want to say thank you for your support and hope everyone has a wonderful holiday season. Now, today's guest is opera singer, actor, and performer Claire Lyon, who recently wrapped up their time playing Christine Daae in the international tour of Phantom of the Opera. Claire has also performed alongside renowned singer Josh Groban in the world tour of his musical theater album, Stages, and is also the founder of The Masco. During our chat, Claire shares how she went from performing in the world of opera and then transitioning to musical theater, what it was like performing in Phantom of the Opera during the pandemic, and the charity work being done through The Mask Co. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Claire Lyon. Claire, thank you so much for for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Good morning. It's it's nice and early here in Australia. It's <laughs> it's seven a.m. The birds are chirping, and uh, lucky I'm an early bird anyway. So, <laughs> love it. Um, so, I just wanted to sort of start talking about your experience um, working on the international tour of Phantom of the Opera, which, um, as we just chatted at one point, was uh, deemed the only show that was up on the planet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, what was that like traveling? It, Had, what, did the tour start pre-COVID? Yeah, so it's actually my second time doing the international tour. So um, my debut was in 2012 in the Philippines. We, um, it was the Filipino debut as well. And uh, I did the show initially for two and a half years on and off um, as Christine. And then went back to Australia, did other things. I left to go do Anything Goes with Opera Australia, the, the national tour of that, um, and you know, touring with Josh and other things, as you said. And then I got the phone call mid last year uh, to ask if I would like to do the um, United Arab Emirates um, debut. The, the tour was already happening. And um, so I, I, I thought about it for probably 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and decided yeah that would be and you know I'd love to jump back on tour and and tour with some of my um friends and colleagues who I'd performed with last time so we were in Dubai for a month and then we had a couple of weeks off and um we opened in Busan which is a city south of Seoul mm-hmm. uh it's like the very southern tip of South Korea and we were there for two months from uh, mid-December and it was in about um Probably early mid-January, we started seeing audiences, all our audience members in masks. Mm. And um, I had fans bringing me face masks and I wasn't really watching the local news too much, um, A, because I don't speak fluent Korean. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, sometimes you just, you get stuck into your Netflix or whatever. Mm. And um, I had fans bringing me face masks saying, you you know, you should really be wearing them when you're out and about. And I knew our audience members were wearing them and it got to a point where it was not only the phantom that was wearing the mask on stage, (laughs) but you would look out and you would see a sea of um, every single person in masks and they made it mandatory even as early as um, sort of mid January for our, Mm. um, for our theater patrons to wear them. 
And so I sort of thought, oh, okay, well, maybe it'll be good to wear on the plane or a mask on the plane or whatever. And so then I went back to Australia, had this sort of month of uh, bliss and, um, you know, normal, normalcy, normal life, um, got engaged, which was mm. wonderful. And then, you know, the headlines started to ramp up in terms of this, this uh, virus spreading. And, and at that point, we flew out of South Korea when we had this little break um, just as the numbers were spiking in, mm. in South Korea, we flew out of Busan and South Korea was all over the news in terms of, you know, it's the hotspot of the world up next to China. And, um, then they just rapidly, because they had had this experience with, um, with previous viruses like MERS back in 2015, they, mm got it under control so incredibly quickly. So they had tracing and tracking. Everyone was in masks and so compliant about it. Um, everyone was, you know, hand sanitizing and all that sort of thing and very much following the government rules. So it got to mid-March and, and I'm thinking, are we even going to fly back over to Seoul and open in Seoul? Um, so anyway, I was just like, get me on a plane and get me over there. <laughs> I wasn't too scared. Some people were concerned, but I, I kind of was just wanted to get over there and, and, I don't know, I suppose a bit naively get cracking with it. Mm. Anyway, we opened and we had such super strict measures in place, tracing and tracking. And, and so when you arrived at the theatre, you would, um, our theatre patrons would write down their um, phone number, email address, all, all their details. So should, you know, a case pop up, everyone can be tracked. Um, and we were open for two weeks and um, one of our cast members um, was tested for COVID and tested positive. And that was, she, I think she tested positive on the Tuesday night. We had a Tuesday night show. And I remember the vibe being really weird. Like it was a little bit kind of, oh, um, no, nobody, people rarely go off in this show, particularly this beautiful cast member, really, you know, diligent ballerina. And we're thinking, oh, um, she's off. It's all a bit odd. And then it, that next morning woke up to an email saying, you know, do not leave your rooms. You're all being tested within the next couple of hours. And so this Jeez. is how efficient, I know. So yeah. this is how efficient the uh, Korean government are. They, they had a um, COVID um, team come and test all, um, however many of us, 120 of us were at the hotels. They tested all of our... Um, local staff, so the local crew, the local dressers, and everyone, 8,500 theatre patrons were then uh, tested um, and notified to be tested. And we found one other case in one other cast member um, and all of us were, else were negative, but we still closed um, for the two weeks and all quarantined. So we were there in our hotel uh, waving it to each other from our windows <laughs> and like people put their like um, Ayaka, one of our ballet girls from Japan, because we've got this international cast, yeah. had her um, teddy bear that she tours with a little, with a little sign saying, I miss you <laughs> on it. And, and um, at midday, every day, we would all go out and wave to each other and we'd have Zoom calls and things like that, of course. But so, yeah, um, long, long story long, we reopened again after three weeks um, and the theatre was completely re-sanitised and um, we opened and we remained open for six months. We actually extended the tour and then we went to Daegu, another city, for a couple of weeks 
and then finished up. And by the end, we, we did have to uh, have a couple of socially distanced performances because the cases were going up again. And as everyone knows, you've got to be flexible in 2020 and probably beyond. Yeah. So we had to, um, you know, buy by the, the new rules that were in place. Um, and I'm not going to lie, the socially distanced uh, performances weren't, they weren't the same. <laughs> uh, having that sort of feeling in the theatre. Um, but what I can say is we did have uh, our most enthusiastic fans in, the, in those mm. seats that were being occupied. And, um, and it was even more sort of humbling to see, um, and we can get into this, my masks that I started manufacturing, which have quite unique prints all over them, mm. dotted all throughout the audience. So oh. that was really cool. So it, it was a wonderful experience, but it was certainly tough being away for that long unexpectedly. Yeah. So the socially distanced performance, does that mean that it was like a limited capacity for the audience? Correct. Every second seat was blocked out. Okay. Gotcha. Literally 50%. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that is, it's crazy to hear how different, I mean, we've been hearing about this nonstop since March, how different each country has, has handled it. But the fact that they got it under so much control that you guys were able to put on the show for that long and yeah. to still extend it even, because yeah. you would think yeah. that some of them would just be like, nope, we're cutting our losses and we're just grinding everything to a halt. But yeah, that's incredible. Soul and Company producers, uh, you know, have been producing theatre for a long time, as many producers have been. They're really smart and they, I think they're, they're, um, the patrons have a great deal of faith in them as well. And there's a, just a great deal of transparency and in Korea and um, compliance with rules. Mm. Um, people, I think, have a sense of doing what's best for the community and the country as opposed to, well, I don't feel like wearing a mask or I, you know, I want to sit with my friends and the, or whatever. So um, that made it very easy to kind of keep it going. So um, mm. thankfully, thankfully to the Koreans, we were able to stay open. But in Australia now, things... Uh, things are starting to reopen again. So theatre, Pippin just opened in Sydney. Really? Frozen just had their first preview. Mm. Um, and uh, it was just announced that Moulin Rouge is opening in 2021 uh, in August. So um, oh. that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm -hmm. I hope that all of that comes back everywhere because good gracious do we all miss performing. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Um right before right when things were getting bad i was working on um on a tv series and we had i was there i think for f four days and then on that friday was when or i think on that thursday there was like you know headlines were saying like more cases arriving in new york and whatnot and we're all like do you guys think like what do you guys think is gonna happen because we really weren't sure Cause we just thought like, Oh, like it's all the way in Asia. It's not going to hit here as hard and little, and, you know, but one thing leads to another. Uh, but then that Friday um, is the, was when they announced all Broadway theaters were closing. And then hours later, the producer of the show was like, all right, guys, we're, that's a wrap or that's it. We're uh, shutting down for, we don't know how long. Uh, and only about a month or six weeks ago did like sort of t even TV and film productions start back up, but it was like dark for like six months. It was insane. Yeah. Wow. 
Uh, it's just, yeah. it's crippling. It's crippling for so many people. Yeah. Um, and I think particularly uh, so many industries actually, and this, this is one thing where I think a lot of people are having to deal with um, their identity uh, being attached to what they do for a living and what they do mm. is who they are. And if you're not doing what you do, then who are you or what are you? Yeah. And it's that kind of loss of um, sense of self in a way. Uh, and you see it sometimes with people, you know, po the post-show blues and, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you finish a show and you're like, oh, what now? Um, <laughs> I, I can't, I sort of, I think one of my strengths is like I move on with it, whatever the next thing is really mm. quickly. I'm like moving on <laughs> like after, <I've, laughs> after I finish the show. <laughs> um, usually because the shows are really long running and I was like, ah, that's enough. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, but yeah, you do. Every everyone is different, and um, and I suppose I, I, some advice that I've been giving to, like I I'm, I'm mentoring a few people at the moment, and um, some advice that I've given is like to it's really important to have interests outside of what you do for work. So, mm. you know, whether it's um, I don't know playing a sport or um, and and having you know friends if you if you can. <laughs> <laughs> outside of what you outside of the theater industry too like i'm friends with a lot of my school girlfriends still who uh, they're in all sorts of um walks of life and and so the conversation isn't always theater and what's and what's yeah. coming up and what are you doing next or whatever it it's um kind of humbling and just um sometimes a nice little break um to not have to have that on your mind constantly yeah. Yeah, that's been a huge, huge problem during this whole, during the whole quarantine and everything. Um, being in New York, especially, which is like, you know, Broadway's here, there's a ton of TV and film production and a lot of performing arts colleges and whatnot. And then once things started to close, so many people I know immediately moved out of the city. They're like, I don't know, mm. we're going to go home, figure it out, uh, especially once they announced that you know, cruises and, and regional theater and Broadway wouldn't be performing for indefinitely, basically. Um, and at least early on, that was the case. And then so just so many people I know moved, like one of my best friends moved back home. And I mean, I went home an hour and a half away. Uh, I, I live in a state nearby. Thankfully, um, I was able to come back rather easily. But yeah, it, it's you're so right about that. It's it a lot of people sort of like make I'm an actor, I'm a performer, I'm a singer, they're like identity. Um, and you take that away and it's like identity crisis. Like, like you said, the totally. who am I, what can I do? And um, that's kind of why I started the podcast. I'd wanted to start it pre COVID uh, basically about a year ago. I think like, you know, coming November, 2019 is like the first piece of art that I found uh, recently. But um, I started it during, the COVID because I'm like I want to talk with actors and see how they're doing and share their stories and uh for the first handful of episodes like thank god you're doing this because <laughs> I haven't had anyone yeah. to talk to about any of this stuff because mm -hmm. uh you know your friends are suffering with you but then just having a little like soapbox to speak on about it certainly helps um but similarly to, to what you said definitely having interests outside of performing is yeah so whether it's in like, so like a sport reading or, or gardening yeah. or sport right. or like i love playing tennis and doing pilates yeah. you know just different things yeah i know someone who discovered they're an amazing painter they started doing watercolors oh. and they're now selling 
their little, you know, they're making like custom cards and posters and prints. And I'm like, there you go, do that. Or, you know, photography even. Amazing. Exactly. Take pictures of your desolate city. (laughs) (laughs) They can make for some really interesting photos, actually. Um, A girlfriend of mine is a photographer in Melbourne and she, Melbourne went into full lockdown, Mm. um, no restaurants, bars, gyms, like stage four lockdown. And, um, she took the most beautiful photographs of the city with nobody in the street. And I think there was like one bike rider in the distance and mm. um, yeah, it made for some really interesting, a really interesting uh, backdrop. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy. Making some new art in the time where there yeah. isn't much to consume. Goodness. Um, so let's go back a little bit. Um, I want <laughs> to see, how did you get started with performing? You come from, you're, uh, from what I understand, you sort of started in a different little branch of performing, not in the traditional theater route, but more in classical training. Yeah. So, I mean, I did ballet um, from the age of three and I started seeing lessons at 11, but um, I, uh, when finishing, after finishing high school, I did a bachelor of music uh, performance and that was very much opera and, Mm. you know, music theory and you, you did all your, uh, you know, music history and all that sort of thing. And uh, from then I got, I I was lucky enough to get straight into um, Opera Australia. So the the first little piece of work was filling in for um, a a soprano chorister who was pregnant and they weren't sure when she was going to have the baby. And this was after I had auditioned and, um, a lot of my, a lot of my other third year or final year student university student colleagues um, had heard a sort of like a no from Opera Australia and and I hadn't gotten anything in the mail and I was like well it must because it came in the mail then and I was like well it must be lost in the mail <laughs> and, um, they said they said no initially to a full time contract I was only twenty years old mm. and they they said but we would love you to come and do this little piece of work. Um, it was Alcina, a handle aria, a handle opera. And, um, and so I, I ended up filling in for this, um, soprano chorister. And then from that, I, I ended up working with them full time for three, three years doing my fair lady, the national tour for, um, a year and then, um, full time. Uh, so I moved, moved up to Sydney and, um, yeah, was performing at the opera house there. Um, and you sort of get allocated 15 operas a year, 10 to 15 operas a year. And, um, it was an amazing experience and it exercises your brain incredibly because you're performing three different operas at night and learning another two during the week. And (laughs) it's, uh, it's, uh, it's incredible for your brain Um, and you get to sight, you're just sight singing constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how I started off. And then, um, it was 2011 end of, well, end of 2010 that I auditioned for love never dies. Um, Mm. and, uh, I crossed over it into the dark side of musical theater (laughs) (laughs) and, um, yeah, one thing has always sort of led to the next um, from Love Never Dies. I got Phantom World Tour and kind of keeps going on and on. How funny is that that you did the sequel first and then the original? Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I'd, se- I'd seen the original and mm. I, I had known the music since I was a little girl. But, um, yeah, doing 
doing the, uh, well, I was actually doing My Fair Lady while the original Phantom was touring in Australia. Mm. Um, so I didn't get a chance to be a part of that. Um, so yeah, the sequel was the first option. <laughs> <laughs> Did you find, I mean, I, I know there's a, a significant passage of time between the original and the sequel both in real life and in the story. Uh, but did you find that there was a stark difference in how you portrayed Christine in one, in, in, like from one to the other? Um, so I was, I was understudying Christine and I, I was lucky enough to go on um, quite a bit, but she's, I suppose she's, <laughs> she's obviously more mature because it's 10 years on. Um, she's got a child and that is her first priority now and slash dealing with her now alcoholic husband. Um, so I feel like perhaps in a way she's a little bit more um, contained until she kind of sings that love never dies because she has to be, she's dealing with so many more aspects of life. There's a, a little less kind of, um, of that wonderment that young Christine, phantom Christine has um, that airy fairiness. Yeah. Um, it's, it's darkened a little bit. And I think, I think love never dies is an incredibly dark show. I mean, look at the ending. It's doesn't, it doesn't end too well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, yeah, she's definitely more mature, but I mean, one question that I get asked a fair bit um, is how my Christine changed from 2012 to now um, and I think particularly, um, A, there's, I'm seven years older, um, B, so, so with that comes life experience and, um, you know, different relationships and things like that and, and learning from those. Um, and I think also the, the change in times with, um, you know, women, I mean, it sounds, it sounds ridiculous saying this in 2020, but having more so of a voice and, and the, and the me too movement and, and being, you know, being able to sort of feel free to say your mind more, mm. I feel like has played into my own sense of self and character as Christine, um, particularly at the end of the show where, you know, she chooses to take pity on, the phantom at the very end of the show, but it becomes from a place of um, strength and kindness, not out of fear. Um, mm. And that's where you can really see the stark difference between our oh, phantom really is, he is a child that is like tormented and she, she is the strong one. Yeah. When she felt mm. that she was like, you know, the, wandering child you know so like, yeah it's like, she's oh, the phantom, child you're like singing about yourself actually actually it's the other way around <laughs> yeah yeah that sense of sort of naivete that she had definitely sort of dissipated like you said the um it, it's it's funny thinking it's been a, it's been a, a bit since i've seen love never dies i saw the um i believe it was the melbourne production that they filmed that's like the one that everyone knows yeah, that's the yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I I was uh, in the ensemble for that. And then mm. whenever um, Anna was off, I would go on. Gotcha. So, so I've seen you perform technically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. <laughs> in the background somewhere. <laughs> um, just thinking back, is there anything that you 
know now that you wish you learned in the beginning of your career? I get such a huge variety of answers with this. <laughs> yeah. I think that um, you've just got to, if I wish, yeah, I wish I knew a little more back then that you've just got to go with the flow sometimes. And mm. I'm such a control freak most of the time where I'm, when, when I, you know, for example, if you've got a, an audition coming up and you know that you've prepared um, as much as you could and you know that you've nailed that, you know, dialogue or dialect and the notes and whatever and, and you might be perfect for the role, but it might not always go that way. There's so many things that come into play. It's not always talent that gets you the role. Mm. Um, there's things like casting or height even or... Um, you know, budgets, producers are dealing with so many different, you know, juggling so many different things. And um, I think as a young performer, sometimes you can go, you can sort of get into your head about, oh, what could I, what could I have done differently mm. in order to nail that part? Um, it just, it just doesn't work out sometimes. And then sometimes randomly you'll get a role that you thought, oh, well, that was easy. I just had to kind of sing a couple of bars and great. <laughs> so, um it's yeah it, everything happens for a reason and and whatever you know thing whatever happens is meant to be and just go with the flow a little easier yeah yeah because you know it, it things very much do come in speaking of, of flows it uh, work can very much come in waves you have mm. a great year and then a very rough barren year that you've got to sort of think of of, of what you know, how to move on. Cause you know, we tend to stick our minds so much into like, like you said, what could I have done differently? What did I do wrong? Did I screw up that audition? Did I burn this bridge? Uh, especially with so many people involved in the process of producers and casting directors and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as you said, go- going in waves, like um, there's only so much, your career can keep going up until it will plateau or do something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, yeah, it's up to you to, to keep putting it in, putting in the hard work and, and, and keep that momentum going for years to come. Yeah. And, and fostering it's, it's- those relationships. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's so funny to think even like the biggest, you know, the A-list stars or the big Broadway stars that everyone knows, even they do one show a year, one movie a year, even they've, they're, you know, they're, even they're bored. <laughs> sure. They're, yeah. you know, I'm sure they're like swimming in residual checks and money and all that stuff, but you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're bored. They're they, you know, some of them can only vacation for so long. Um, but it's, and, yeah. and also like, people there there is such as a such a thing as you know flavor of the month and certain people mm-hmm. will be more popular or certain vocal sounds will be more popular yeah. at certain points in time um for example like i'm not i'm not like a i don't really i'm not a belter and so for those 
roles for those vocal um, type roles um, aren't necessarily suited to me. I'm more like mm. old school musical theatre, yeah. legit musical theatre. So I have to wait for those sorts of shows to come around. Right. And yes, I can work on those other things, but I know that there are people that are, you know, just a smidge better at it <laughs> than I am. <laughs> and I think it's really important for um, actors, especially young actors who, you know, when you're young, everyone tells you, my gosh, you're so talented. You're wonderful. You're, you know, you should, you're going to be a star. And then you are in a room full of people with all of that same potential. It's, uh, it's important to, to, to just come to terms like there's someone better than me in every room. I just not even top them, just stand out in a way because there's always mm. that little quality that that um the person ends up booking the job has because it, it doesn't always go to the best uh singer especially with musical theater there's so much else it's like they may be looking for an amazing dancer and if this is the best singer but they don't dance at all can't go that direction. totally and and this is where i think particularly nowadays you you have to be easy to work with and a good a good just a good person yeah. a nice person and on time and knowing your stuff. So when you do get into that room where you've got 10 other people that look like you mm. and um, they all have the same credentials, but you've worked with that maybe director before and they know you're a hard worker and they go, Oh, well, you know, Juan's a, I've worked with Juan before and he was great. Um, mm. It can give you that, you know, leg up sometimes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's always, you know, it, it's so tacky to hear that it's like, you know, it's all about who you know, but it, it's not all about that, but it still plays a huge factor. Uh, mm. You know, having those connections and, and having sort of, um, oh, dang, I'm not sure if you, if you watch The Office, but Jenna Fisher, who plays Pam, her book, The Actor's Life, is a wonderful book, firstly. Um, but she said, she said something about um, creating a consistent body of work, like, you don't ever want someone to be like, oh, they were a nightmare to work with. Horribly unprofessional. I would never hire them again because then the word gets around fast, especially no matter what sort of town you're working in, it, it news travels fast. And totally, it is very important, very much so to, like, like she said, to create that sort of consistent body of work. Like always great to work with, professional, knew their stuff, not a time waster because like that happens a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, there was something that I asked in the, the question I sent over and this one really stuck out and sort of connects with what you just said. Um, if there's something that you firmly believed um, that turned out to be like a very big misconception. I'm trying to remember what I wrote now. What did I, can you remind me? Because <laughs> <laughs> I sent you, it to you ages ago. <laughs> you wrote uh, that it takes more than talent. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that is kind of going off what I, off what I just said, like yeah. it does take more than talent. It takes hard work. I mean, I've seen people who are um, less talented than others get more work over their career because they are consistent on time, mm -hmm. a nice person um, and, and a good company member. Um, and then I've seen people who, you know, have, have, an, uh, an incredible talent, whether it be acting or singing or whatever, but, you know, they, they're constantly goofing around or, um, you know, causing trouble um, in, you know, I don't know, with other colleagues or whatever. And lo and behold, they don't necessarily get hired again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you, you see it a lot. And, and I think just going back to those, 
um, if, if you think, you know, if I was the director or the producer, what would I be wanting out of you as an actor and yeah, knowing your stuff from day one and, um, and being a good human. At the end of the day, these are people that you're going to be working with for weeks or months or sometimes years at a time. And nobody likes a diva, you know, they, totally. <laughs> everyone wants to someone that you can confide in and that you can, you know, like you said, be a, a member of the company, not like there's a star and there's everyone else. It's like, Nope, we're all part of the company. It's, it's yep. super important. And, and thankfully I haven't had to deal with, I've heard enough stories uh, to cringe when I, when I hear them, but thankfully that has, of course, I hope that doesn't mean that I'm the diva. That's why I haven't <laughs> dealt with it. Oh boy. Time for some self-reflection. Nobody's said anything. <laughs> so before we wrap up, I just wanted to talk about uh, the mask company, which is something, did you start this during COVID or was it something that existed uh, as well beforehand? It's, it started during COVID. Yeah. Mm. So basically um, we were, as part of our daily routines in South Korea, we would have to wear masks basically as soon as we left our hotel rooms and we wear them all day every day until we were pretty much in our costumes and so um, myself and all the other company members we were you know firstly wearing the disposable ones and then we had like um, the company gave us like these really thick black cotton ones that we could barely breathe in (laughs) Um, and then there were one of our um, company members from South Africa this 70 year old guy playing Monsieur Fermat Jimmy, he was, I saw him in like the 7-Eleven store one day and he had this, it looked like he was, had a beak on his face and the, the elastic was cutting in and, Oof. and it was like, like sticking out of his nose. I'm like, what are you wearing, Jimmy? Anyway, so it just made me laugh and um, he was so uncomfortable. <laughs> and so I thought I want to, um, I actually posted a photo of, um, myself in this really pretty print of a mask saying wear a mask blah 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 on my mm. instagram and I had so many people commenting saying oh what a pretty mask you know where can we get something like that and and it sort of dawned on me that there was a bit of a um, gap in the market for something that wasn't um you know scary looking particularly for for children as well with everyone constantly in in masks um that and it, it, there's almost like a connotation of like sickness if you're wearing a mask you must be sick yeah uh well i wanted to normalize mask wearing especially for um western countries where i knew that it was starting to ramp up you know for example back home um and also to be honest something that doesn't look like you're wearing a big tissue on your face um so <laughs> i i went to, I literally found a factory. Um, I had, I had a translator with me the whole time and started manufacturing, um, these really super soft, lightweight, um, seamless masks. So they're not only, um, have, you know, really fun design, they're all designed in Melbourne. Mm. And, uh, so this is while I'm doing phantom, by the way. So (laughs) I'd be, I'd be like, at interval doing a few little emails <laughs> in my, in my undies with my wig on and my tiara. And then, and then I'd quickly get back into costume and, and finish the show. So um, this masks were becoming mandatory back home. And um, so I was like, I've got to get this, I've got to get this out really quickly. And, and I also wanted to, um, you know, seeing all my colleagues out of work and, and struggling, 
I wanted to make sure that they were being helped out as well. So $1 from every mask from the Mask Co uh, goes towards um, providing mental health support to mm -hmm. workers of all kinds in the performing arts industry via um, uh, our charity partner called the Arts Wellbeing Collective. Um, and they do, they do incredible work um, providing help to anyone. Like you could be in the wardrobe department, you could be an usher, you could be anyone. Mm. Um, and if you only speak... Um, a certain language, they will find someone that um, speaks your language and make sure you, you have the, the perfect kind of support network mm. around you. But yeah, so they're all designed in Melbourne and we started manufacturing in late, well, we started, uh, we launched in late July and it has just gone crazy. Um, and we've, we've donated um, over $11,000 so far wow. um, to, to this charity and um we are, yeah, we, we sell internationally and um, it's been busy. <laughs> it's been crazy busy. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, because especially with things sort of with cases spiking again, uh, pretty much everywhere. Um, yeah. People are tired of wearing this KN95s. It's like, I, I, like I said, I, I work at a, a gym and those are the ones we have to wear, which are those yeah. ones with that sort of cuts in and it has like a fold in the front. So it does look like a beak. It's yeah, very yeah. flattering. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, these ones are particularly great for, so then they're, they're not medical grade. Um, so if you were obviously, um, you know, I, I always use like the, the example of like, if you're the dentist, you would wear the medical grade mask, right. but if you're the receptionist, you could wear one of our masks. It's mm. lightweight. And particularly like if you're going for a walk and you, and you want to be able to breathe properly, um, Oh, also the great thing, so I'm trying to sell my masks here. <laughs> the, the great thing is they, they, um, when you're wearing them constantly every day, you, your skin's getting irritated constantly. So yeah. ours are really soft and pH balanced too. So you don't get, you know, mask acne. And so kind of solving all these different issues within, yeah. um, within making this little, little product. So yeah, it's, some, it's something I'm really proud of and, um, and we hopefully can continue to donate money and until everyone's back up on their feet. Um, we just want to do as much as we can. Mm. And where can people buy them? If any listeners, uh, listeners are interested. Uh, online. So the mask co M A S Q U E co.co, or you can, you can find it all over my Instagram. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, so I always like to end the show uh, with a rapid fire round of questions. Okay. And starting with coffee or tea? Both. <laughs> singing what do I have or to choose? one or the other. It's fine. Okay. Uh, tea. Uh, singing or acting? Singing. Uh, plays or musicals? Musicals. Drama or comedy? Drama. Uh, hero or villain? Hero. Uh, your most recent binge watch? Um, um, Downton Abbey, rewatching it with my fiance. <laughs> if you weren't a performer, what would you do for a living? Real estate. Go to audition song. Oh God. Uh, if I loved you from Carousel. Uh, what is your favorite language to sing in? Italian. Uh, what role did you have the most fun playing? Probably Christine. Which one? 
Oh, uh, Phantom. What is the most helpful book that you've read? Helpful. Um, oh, God. Oh, well, this is, this is an act, acting one, but like the art of auditioning. <laughs> mm. Maybe. All right. And uh, last question. In 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young performer? Work hard, be kind, be humble. Six. That's six. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and that is it for this week's episode of Actors with Issues with special guest Claire Lyon, who you can follow on Instagram at Claire underscore Lyon, and that's Lyon spelled L-Y-O-N, and follow us at Actors with Issues. Be sure to check out themaskco.co where $1 of each sale goes toward the Arts Wellbeing Collective. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, and starting in 2021 with new episodes every Friday on all podcasting platforms. Everyone, please have a wonderful holiday season. This is Juan Ayala, signing off.